Welcome to the New Life Millbrook Weekly Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast or other resources, please visit nlmillbrook.com. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Glory to you, Lord. Glory to you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Glory to God. Hallelujah. How many of you know today is the day the Lord has made? And we're to rejoice and be glad in it all day today, amen? And on into the night, and it doesn't matter who's at the bank, Marcia. You know, amen, amen. Well, y'all can be seated this morning. Thank you, worship team. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Y'all ready to hear the word this morning? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Mr. Ken. I know a lot of you were probably like... uh, me and others watching the weather this past week and said, oh my goodness, uh, supposed to have rain coming in Saturday and then again Saturday evening. Thought came, says, well now, what's that going to do to family day? You know, got the bounce houses and all, and I just said, Lord, it's just got to come quicker than normal. Uh, I know the timetable that they said, but uh, it just needs to come quicker and we need some wind to dry up all this uh, groundwater. And uh, you know what happened, don't you? It came a little earlier than they projected on Thursday and Friday, and it seemed to dry it all out. Amen? So glory to God. We'll have some fun this afternoon. Uh, before we, well, let's see. Before we get going, is anybody having any trouble with their right forearm? Anybody here? Besides Peter. I prayed for him. Just want to be obedient to the Lord. How about your toes on your right foot anybody having any trouble with that you see most of the time now i know mr horn had made mention of it to me before he said for no reason whatsoever his toes started hurting last night on his right foot little toe and he says i said well did you do anything no i didn't do anything it just happened he said i prayed and i prayed and i prayed and i prayed and it finally just quit but you know a lot of times when we're some experiencing something like that it might not be you could be for somebody on facebook this morning watching this live uh it could be for somebody out there and if it's for you out there this morning just go ahead and receive your healing this morning amen and uh it's all about receiving what god's already done for us amen and uh so let's uh just jump on into the word this morning why don't you turn with me over to ephesians chapter Four, just for a moment. Ephesians 4. And let's look at, uh, we'll just get to Ephesians 4 and I'll tell you. We'll just go ahead and pray. Y'all found it yet? If not, you're worth waiting for, I'll wait on you. All right. Lord, we just thank you for your word this morning in advance. We know, Lord, that your word is full of life. It takes situations that we're facing with of, of death and, and fear and loneliness and depression and all that. It takes that and turns it into life. It changes every bit of it when we receive your word. And so, Lord, this morning we're looking forward to hearing what do you have to say, not only as a, uh, a congregation, but as individuals into our personal life, because we desire your life. Lord, we just open ourselves up to you this morning to receive. Lord, we thank you that we have 
ears to hear, not outward ears only of listening, but ears to hear, ears of, 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 of our spirit man. For we desire to know you and what you're doing in our life. In Jesus' name, amen. Over in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, the Apostle Paul wrote, it says, And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and some teachers. Speaking of God did this. God gave to the church some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists and pastors and teachers. And look what he did it for. For the perfecting of the saints. Say for the perfecting of the saints. For the perfecting of the saints. For the work of the ministry. Say the work of the ministry. For the edifying of the body of Christ. Say for the edifying of the body of Christ. Isn't that amazing? He said he gave the fivefold ministry to the church for the perfecting of the saints. For the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. Hmm. I don't see anywhere in that where he said that he gave us a uh, comedian or something else like that. Or, uh, but he gave us apostles, apostles, prophets, pastors, evangelists, and teachers because he wants to perfect us. There's some things that's in our life. In other words, he wants to complete what he's done in us and prepare us for the work of the ministry. He wants to completely furnish us. He wants to build us up to be what he's called us to be. Amen? So this morning, if I come across a little strong, guess what? Uh, it's not meant to be uh, ugly. But my job this morning is not to entertain you, but to minister to you. How many of you know that Coach Saban is a very successful coach? But I can assure you that you could go down to the University of Alabama or up to the University of Alabama and go in there, and he doesn't have a coach of laughter. He has a secondary coach. He has a special teams coach. He's got quarterback coaches. He's got defensive linemen coaches. He's got all, but he doesn't have a coach of laughter. Why? Because it's business. They can laugh. They've got plenty of time to laugh. But they're there for business. They're there to train and take these guys who come in from all over the country. And it's to make them be the best that they can possibly be. Now, they may joke around and have a good time, but when it, those coaches are there to train them, to equip them, so they can become all that they can be. And you know what? That's what the fivefold ministry's job is, is to equip you, to build you up, to strengthen you. Sometimes that, in, that has to do with, with uh, critiquing, uh, spanking, or whatever it may be, but let's know this, that most of the time when you feel spanked, if I say something, I had no idea of it. So there's no reason to be embarrassed, and if you turn red, everybody's going to know it's you. So just keep your composure. But here it is, we need to see and realize, okay, what are we coming to hear this morning? What are we coming to hear? Are we coming to hear a word from God to direct our lives for this next week, for this next month, for this next year? Because God knows where we're going to be and what we're going to be faced in this next year, does he not? This past week I was out in the yard communing with God, just walking around, just wanting to hear, just talking. 
And the Lord said this to me. He said, you know, Alan, he said, the United States has not seen its last war. I just stood there and he said, the United States hadn't seen its last economic problems either. He said, the United States hadn't seen its last rights in the cities and civil unrest. He said, the United States has not seen its last pandemic. Now, you know, we hadn't seen a pandemic like the one we've just had experienced or maybe still going on in different parts of the world, right? Hadn't really seen one of those. We've not been con confronted with something that goes around the world in a matter of months. I mean, usually in, in every century before this, if something took place in India, it took place in India. But now that we are a global community, it can happen in China and be here in a matter of days. Economically, physically, socially, any, any kind of way. And so we are living in a unique time in history. And God wants us prepared. He wants us to know how to walk in victory. And he wants us to walk in victory. Not just hear about it, listen to it being taught or whatever, but he wants us to do it. So what good is it to hear about it if we can't walk in it? huh? If this is all for about when we get to heaven, when there is no opposition, seems kind of silly, doesn't it? We need to know how to walk in victory down here where, we're, where we have opponents, where we have opposition. Because we're not going to have any up there. So the Lord gives us the five-fold ministry to build us up and prepare us for where we are, where we'll be next week, next month, next year, next decade. And it's always about starting where you are. And we have to recognize that. That's why when we went over back uh, about a month or so ago, uh, talking about, the, uh, about Samaria becoming surrounded uh, by the Syrian army, is to locate ourselves, where are we? Where are we? Which one of these people in this story are we? Are we the woman who has killed her child so they could eat, looking to the government for help? Are we the wicked king? Are we the king's official who's a doubter, an unbeliever? Or are we the Elishas who are at rest and at peace because they know their God? And see, what the Lord wants us to do is come to a place in our lives where we're not like the, the woman who's we're looking to a government, looking to somebody to, to help her, to fix her needs, to get revenge or whatever else. He's not looking at, uh, we're not to be the king who's doing whatever he can do just to keep his power. God wants us to be, not as the king's official, where we will mock God and what he's saying. And then when the man of God stands up and speaks what the Lord said, not his word, but the Lord's word, and says, tomorrow about this time, the best is yet to come. That's what he said. Tomorrow about this time, we'll have more than enough food in this city. And he mocked him. And he says, you'll see it, but you won't be able to eat of it. Now, my heart 
is for not one person here in this congregation or watching on Facebook to go without receiving all that God has for you. So when the best is yet to come, you didn't position yourself with the king's official and saying, well, I just don't believe it. I'll believe it when I see it. Because you'll see it, but you probably won't be able to partake of it. Why? Because you didn't position yourself to receive. And that we have to understand that. And, and so the Lord brought us on into the point of uh, the last couple of weeks on life on the plains. How many of you know that it, restrictions are kind of loosened up around in this area but concerning a pandemic and the stock market looks like it's doing okay and this is taking place. And, and if you're not careful, you can say, well, it's all over with. We can just coast. And I'm telling you, this is no time to coast. We cry out to the Lord when we're down in the valleys. We cry out to the God and tell him how great he is when we're on a mountaintop. But when we're living on the plains of everyday life, the regular incline when the pressure is off and we can take a family vacation without going in debt and our cars are running good and we've got a decent job and we've got money in the bank and nobody's sick, during those times, if we're not careful, we'll forget about God. Because the pressure's off. But it's what you do during the days that you're living on, on the plains will determine what you're going to do in the valley. There will be more wars. There will be more economic problems. There will be more riots in the streets, civil unrest. There will be more idiots in Washington. Can I say it that way? And there will be more pandemics restrictions and all that goes with it and evil people trying to get you to have to do stuff you shouldn't have to do all kind of things and force it on you but if we're not ready and have been prepared then how what are we going to walk in the flesh is that what we're going to walk in because if you walk in the flesh you're going to reap the flesh but if you've been walking in the spirit hearing god's voice You'll be as Elisha was, seated at peace, being surrounded by an invading army that has starved you to the point there's no food, destroyed your economy, people finger-pointing everybody, blaming everybody, this woman this, and that woman that, and the king's running around, got sackcloth and ashes on, hid under his clothes, And then he turns and does what? He blames the church, blames God. Goes down there and says, I'm going to take the head off of that man who told us to wait on the Lord. What good is it to wait? Where, where, where are we? Because we can be the Elishas who's at rest in the middle of all of it. Even when the Lord told him, said, that murderer, son of Ahab, that son, of a, that son of a murderer, King Jehoram, is, is coming down here. Jehoram is coming down here to take your head. And he just told him, says, when the guy comes, don't let him in. The king's right behind him. We have got to come to that place where we can hear the voice of God that clearly. Are you hearing me? And you're not going to get it watching the news. You're not going to get it 
through entertainment, music and all this, you're going to get it by what did you do in your planes, everyday life. What did you do? What did you do? And the Lord said, teach y'all about this, to, to emphasize this. And he's been on me now for months about it. To get it across, we're not through. He wants us victorious. But we have to make the choice to be victorious. We have to make that choice to say, you know what, God, I'm missing it. I'm seeing things wrong. I have to change how, uh, my, my vision of, of what I'm seeing. And the more time you spend with the Lord, guess what you'll start taking on? What he has to say, because whatever you give your ear to, you gave your life to. I'll say it again. Whatever you give your ear to, you gave your life to. Well, you know what? I'm not willing to give my life to the TV networks. And what all those commentators say. Because after all, they're just commentators. They're nobody special. And I don't care if they're all repeating the same narrative to take you down the street. They're all got you going in a direction. And God says, give me your ears and I'll take you in the direction I want you to go. And if you don't go in my direction, it's quite obvious you're going to go in their direction. But even when you're surrounded, God wants us at peace. We don't know what to do and how to do it. Elisha didn't have any idea what God was going to do or how he was going to do it. He knew what he'd done before. But he was at peace. He wasn't blaming God. He was just like, okay. And that's where God wants to take us to. But it doesn't happen because you went to church. It's not going to happen because you read your Bible. It's not going to happen because you listen to some preaching on the TV and, and other things like that. Or, you know, it's going to happen because you are hearing and walking with God daily. Because knowledge is real good. And when we study God's word, we get knowledge. When you're here this morning hearing the word of God being preached, you're getting knowledge. Knowledge of God's word. Knowledge of who you are. And this is all great. And we need it. But unless you get wisdom in how to apply the knowledge of God's word in your life, then you're liable to just go in the wrong direction. You're liable to mess it up. And so God said to him, people need to learn how to pray. Now we know over in Luke's Gospel, chapter 11, verse 1, we started a couple of weeks ago, where the disciples came and asked Jesus, said, Jesus, you know, you, you go and pray all the time. And uh, you throw that up there, Luke 11, 1. It says, and it came to pass as they were praying in a certain place. When he ceased to pray, his disciples came and said, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples to pray. Teach us to pray. You would think that everybody that goes to church knows how to pray. I think everybody that goes to church knows how to ask. I think everybody that goes to church realizes that, you know, that's part of prayer. They think it's you telling God all your problems and asking him to fix them. Well, go ahead and throw up verse 2. And he said unto them, when you, when you pray, say, Our Father which art in heaven. 
not reciting a, a prayer, but our Father, recognizing that He is who He is. He's our Heavenly Father. He's the Creator of all. He knows all. He's omnipresent. He, he's he's all-powerful. He's all-knowing. Recognizing Him for who He is. In other words, you're worshiping God for who He is. Hallowed be the name. Holy is your character, God. Sounds like a little praise going on. Holy is your character. So we can see that worship is prayer. Praise, praising God is prayer. When you're praising Him for His character, everything about Him, and it says, Thy kingdom come. Recognizing that He is the King and He has a kingdom. He has a will. He says, Thy will be done. Recognizing those things, learning about those things, that's all prayer. It is prayer. Studying God's Word is prayer. Understanding that God has a will is prayer. Thy kingdom come. Never, not my will, Lord, but your will be done. That's prayer. As in earth as it is in heaven. Go ahead and go to the next verse. Give us this day our daily bread. That's where we think prayer is. Asking God for provision. Asking Him to give us some clothes. Asking Him to give us some food. Asking Him to give us some money. Give us a new car. Give us a house. And the Lord said, I've already provided all that for you. Receive that. He says, thank him for that is what you should be doing. But we look at it and think, well, that's what prayer is. Provision. Healing. And all. He's already done those things. Give us this day our daily bread. Whatever we have need of for the day. God has provided. What's the next verse say? And forgive us our sins. Now we, for the most part, we understand that'd be prayer too, wouldn't it? Going there and repent. Uh, and Peter brought it up this morning. How about forgiving it someone else that's indebted to us that did us wrong? That's prayer. Receiving forgiveness and giving forgiveness. Both are prayer. Lead us not into temptation. Now we know God doesn't tempt us. And we went to that a little bit last week about what is temptation. We're going to go there a little bit more today. He says, but deliver us from evil. Because God doesn't lead us into temptation. He's not the tempter. And we'll see in the scriptures today where he said, let no man say that when he is tempted that he's been tempted of God. So it was quite obvious that Jesus knew that. That's why he said, and lead us not into temptation means he didn't do it. He's not leading us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And so then we go into this next verse in chapter 5, I mean verse 5, and he gives us this parable we went over last week that, that brought out, how people think that if they just keep bombarding God over and over, keep asking the same old, same old, they're going to get it quicker. Or they'll twist God's arm, they're going to weary him and wear him out so they can get what they want. And he doesn't weary out. God's not looking at how many times you can pray the same prayer over and over and over, a prayer of repetition, hoping that you're going to get somewhere with God. It's not going to happen. He's trying to get it to us, not keep it from us, okay? As you read through this, you can see that this is not a comparison of how God is, but a contrast to what God, who God is. This guy didn't want to do it. So it gets back to learning, understanding, prayer, communicating with God. Now, I believe it's in, uh, which chapter is that? Let me turn there and see.
It might be in 11. Well, let me try Matthew then. That work. Thank you for your patience. Twenty-two, maybe. Mm. Well, I'm not real sure where it's at, but he said to us. Maybe it's Matthew seven. God had a lot to say, didn't he? That's not it either. The Lord said that he doesn't have a problem giving us stuff. He said, ask and what? You'll, you'll receive. He said, seek and you'll what? Knock and that shall be? Okay. Then he says, and he goes into a discourse about the fact that you, if your children came to you and asked you for something like food, bread, I think he even brought that out in Luke 11. Let's go back over there and see. Yeah, this will work. This is exactly where I wanted to go. Uh, in verse 9 it says, And I say unto you, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. But how many of you realize if all you do is come to church and hear, you're not asking, you're not seeking, and you're not knocking? Hmm? Yet we think, though, we've gained something, that we're going somewhere, but yet we haven't done what he said to do. We've positioned ourselves to hear what to do, but we haven't done it. Has anybody ever heard what to do, yet you didn't do it? Yeah. How many of you know if you eat right, you'll be healthier than if you don't eat right? You know it, but whether we do it or not, it's another story, right? We'll probably look at some of your diets out there this afternoon. Chips, dip. All kind of stuff, right? He says, For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and he that knocketh it'll be opened. Did he say, well, maybe I'll answer you. Maybe I'll let you find it. Maybe I'll open the door for it. No, he said, if you ask, you receive it. I'm going to give it to you. If you seek it, you're going to find it. If you knock, you're going to. But yet we don't do that. We think that, well, we, we heard that's all it takes. I got baptized. Then he goes on and says, A son shall ask bread of any of you that is a father. Will you give him a stone? If he asks for a fish, will you give, instead of a fish, give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will you give him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give what? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Say the Holy Spirit. To them that ask. So what is the ministry of the Holy Spirit? The ministry of the Holy Spirit, the ministry of the Holy Spirit is to walk with you every single day, every single moment, through every single trial, when things are going bad, when things are going good, and when you're living on the plains. Because when you're living on the plains, he talks to you about you. And so when you're in, you're in there doing your daily Bible reading, you know, you, you read these, this chapter, you know, and you got up and run off, do you take the time to allow Holy Spirit to reveal to you what you just got through reading. 
taking time to meditate on the fact of what your life would look like if you started doing what you just got through reading. So well, that's called meditating on the Word. Yeah. You had knowledge of what the Word says. You can even tell them what chapter and verse it's in. But you have no wisdom in how to apply it in your life. So what good did the knowledge do? It showed you that it's there, but you're not doing it. So it's not working. How many times do we go and we declare, Lord, I just don't understand what's going on. Your word says that if I tithe, that you would open the windows of heaven, and that you would pour out a blessing that I wouldn't have room to receive it all. How many times have you done something like that? You got need, you look at your checkbook and says, I see I've given, Lord, but I don't see you've given any back. Lord, your word said you'd heal me, that I'm whole. How come I've got these symptoms? Your word says so. All the knowledge about what God's promises said, if they're not working in your life, well, maybe you're the problem. God's not the problem. His word's true. So maybe it's us. Can you imagine that? It might just be us. That we haven't taken the time to get with Holy Spirit to find out why is it not working, Lord? Because he'll tell you, the reason it's not working is because of you. You don't have the game plan. You're trying to apply something in your life that worked five years ago. That was five years ago. You're not there anymore. This is now. You need a now word. You need to know what I'm doing now. What I'm saying to you now, I know where you're going to be next week. Will you trust me? Quit trying to live where you were five years ago. I know what pandemic's coming up. I know what the economy's fixing to do. I know who's going to come against you at work. Allow me to do something in your life for today so that tomorrow you'll be prepared for it. Because I know where I'm taking you. That's not going to happen. Nobody from Washington has called me to ask me my opinion of any of this. Have they called you? What good's our opinion done us? Aggravated us? Caused your blood pressure to go up. Cost you money. Time. Sitting around thinking about it. Ain't nobody asked me in my opinion about it. Not that it matters. I want to know, God, what do you got to say about it? That's what Elisha did. He wasn't concerned about the Syrian army. He wasn't concerned about the shortage of the economy. He wasn't concerned about there no food. He was concerned about, God, what do you say? I want to hear what you got to say. I'm not going to be distracted by all this other stuff. I'm listening for that still small voice. And since it's a still small voice, I got to tune everything else out so I can hear it. The job of Holy Spirit. Is it not to guide us, to comfort us, to teach us? About what? Us. Yet we don't, we don't want to hear it. We don't want to take the time to do it. Sounds like work to me. My goodness, I gave 45 minutes down there Sunday to hear the word. I watched it online, well, most of it, in and out of the bathroom and other stuff, but I, I was watching it. I tried to hear it. Well, what would you do the rest of the week? Holy Spirit wants to talk to us. He wants to tell us these things, such as, you hadn't seen your last war, Alan, as a nation. You hadn't seen the last pandemic. You hadn't seen these things. 
prepare yourselves now for tomorrow. Tomorrow's coming. And it's got problems of its own. And if you don't prepare today to hear my voice, to know my voice, to walk with me on a daily basis, you're going to miss it. And although you'll see it in other people's lives, you'll not partake of it. Now, I don't know about you, but I want to partake of what God's made available. How about you? And it's not going to happen sitting around eating fudge and, and brownies and, and stuff like that and, and watching cartoons. That's what half the news media is anyway, is a cartoon. What we need to know is, God, what are you saying? We only have a certain amount of time down here. We're limited on how much time we've got. We're limited on the amount of time we have to fulfill what God called us here to do. Whether to be that mother or to be that father, to be that, that strong person there on the job, to, to be able to minister to other people, to stand up for, for the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Not being ugly, but to being a witness to them that you don't have to be all shook up and taking nerve pills and getting drunk to make it through the week. That you can look and be at rest in the things that God's Word says. Why? Because you believe His Word more than you believe the circumstances. And that's why we see in the Word where God said, that Abraham said about, uh, call those things that be not as though they were. He lived his life that way. Romans chapter 4, verse 17, it talks about, he wasn't moved by what he saw. He wasn't moved by how old he was. He was moved because he believed God more than he believed his body. He believed God more than he believed science. 100 years old, going to have a baby. Wife, 90 years old, going to have a baby. Yeah, right. He said, I choose to believe God. And guess what happened? Came to pass. Why? Because he chose to believe God more than the scientist of the day. Okay? He chose to believe God more than the economist. What do you choose to believe? See, we can have knowledge of God's word, but if we don't have wisdom to how to apply God's word in our life, then you're going to end up frustrated, confused, aggravated, Walking around, well, God, you said this. How come it ain't happening? Well, go to the book of James right quick. Book of James, chapter 1. Let's look at this a little bit. Book of James, chapter 1. We'll start in verse 1. It says, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which were scattered abroad, greetings. Now, if you and I were to write that, we would have probably wrote it this way. James, the brother of Jesus. I've got clout now. I've got some clout. Now they're going to listen to me because I'm the brother of Jesus. He's my half-brother. We were raised together. He didn't do that. Because James recognized who he was, and that is the servant of God. I am a servant of God. So he wasn't proud and haughty and arrogant and all that. He said, no, I'm a servant. I'm a servant. And he kept a servant's attitude and a servant's heart, and that's why he was such a good pastor at the church at Jerusalem. And as you read through this, you'll see his heart. You'll see how he, how he, he ministered to people and how he loved the people. 
He said here, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers' temptation. Fall into divers' temptation, different types of temptations. Count it all joy. Well, let's just, let me tell you about what temptation basically is, just in case we don't, aren't, aren't, aren't all on the same page when it comes to what is temptation. Temptation is an enticement or an invitation to sin with the implied promise of a greater good to be, desired, to be derived from following the ways of disobedience. So a temptation is an enticement or an invitation to disobey what God's word says, thinking that you're going to get something better than what he promised. When Adam was confronted in the garden, what did he do? He'd been walking and talking with God every day, right? What it says, he walked and talked with God in the cool of the day. All of a sudden, you got this serpent going to tell you, why can't you eat of that tree? Well, God said, we can't eat of that. And then he says, that's because he knows when you eat of that fruit, you'll be like him. Is there something wrong with being like God? Doesn't God want us to be like him? Yeah. But God said, don't do that. And so, they took of it anyway. That was a temptation. They were tempted to eat of that fruit, and they did. Why didn't he just say, no, we're not going to do it. Not going to do it. But this afternoon, I'm going to ask God about this. I'm going to tell him that you came and approached me. I'm going to find out what this is all about. Why is God, that serpent said to me that uh, you're holding out on me. He said that, if I would do eat of that tree that you told me not to, I'd be like you. I want to know why is it that you told me that I was your son and that, you, that I was like you, and now he's saying you're not. Well, shouldn't that be what we do with temptation when it comes? Lord, I'm, my flesh or my education, what I'm seeing with my natural eyes out here in the physical realm it doesn't go along with what your word says. Why is that? Instead of just giving in to it. You see, that's walking with the Holy Ghost. Holy Spirit, how come this, I'm being enticed with, with a, if I just cheat and lie and steal and do whatever else over here, fear, being worried all the time, anxious, if I blame others, if I, if I do all this, then I can receive something different than where I am it's a temptation to do that Holy Spirit says you don't need to go there if you'll bring it to me I'll tell you what's going on I'll show you why you got tricked I'll show you where the trick is I'll show you where he's trying to lead you down don't fall for that but what we do is we think well there's something must be wrong with me I'm just going to keep it to myself I'm going to get quiet I'm going to just go and hide off to the side I'm, I don't want anybody to think that I'm in sin being tempted is not in sin. You're going to be tempted. If being tempted is sin, then Jesus sinned more than all of us. Because it says there in the Word that he was tempted like in every area, just like man is tempted. But being tempted is not sin. So go to the Lord and tell him, Lord, I'm being tempted. I'm being tempted with taking drugs again. Things aren't going real good. I just want to get... High so I can be happy just for five more minutes. 
not worried and fretting. Lord, if I could just get drunk one more time. Lord, if I could just feel like I'm accepted just by anybody. Why can't you just tell the Holy Spirit that? He already knows it, doesn't he? Doesn't he know it? Or is it maybe you're afraid he won't talk to you? Maybe he'll just, you're afraid that he'll just ignore you. You're asking and he won't, he, won't, he won't answer me. It's not what his word says. He said, count it all joy when you find yourself in these places. Knowing that the trying of your faith. Isn't that what the devil's coming after is your faith? The word of God? Isn't that what the Bible teaches us? That Satan comes immediately to steal what? The word that's in your life? Maybe the temptation is there to steal the word that you got through reading on Monday morning. Stole the word that you heard on Sunday morning. Stole the, the answer to the prayer that you have need of. He's coming after the word in your life. He don't care about you. He just doesn't want you to be successful because if you get successful, maybe somebody will listen to you who's been listening and watching your life. So he don't really want you. What's he going to do with you? He knows better than you do that you're saved. That the blood of Jesus is on your life. He just wants to make it hell on earth for you. And everybody else around you. Keep you shut up in silence. Because he knows you're going to heaven. So he just wants you to be tempted. He's trying you. Say, well, does God ever try you? No, he proves you. He proves you. He don't try you. He proves you. He don't tempt you. He proves you. He proved Abraham. Genesis 22, he proved that he would offer his son, Isaac, his only begotten son. He proved it. He didn't tempt him. He proved the children of Israel, and they walked in the wilderness for 40 years. He proved the heart that they had. He didn't tempt them with evil. He proved who they were. And there's times in your life that God will prove who you are. He didn't tempt you. The devil probably came in there just like he did with Job and says, and God said, hey, see my servant Mike over there? Ain't unlike him. Yeah, but if you did this to him, he, he wouldn't love you. Like I said, God's always looking to get it to you, not take it away from you, not to keep it from you. So when you're being tested, he says what? The trying of your faith worketh patience, a cheerful endurance. Patience is stability in the midst of crisis. I'll say that again. Patience is the stability in the midst of a pandemic. Stability in the midst of an economic disaster. Patience is the stability in riots in the streets. Patience is not grinding your teeth till you get through to the end. Wringing your hands, that's not patience. Patience is an outward expression of trust in God's word and just resting in his promises. No. I see all this, but I choose to believe what God said. People call you a fool. Let them call it. 
Then they can look at me and see that it worked, and it didn't. That I partook of the best of yes to come, and they didn't. They saw it, but they didn't get any. James is saying, no matter that whatever pressure you're under, whatever different temptations that you may be faced with, account it all joy. Not some of it, not most of it, but all of it. All of it. And not about the outcome, but all the way through it. How can you count it all joy? It's because you can walk in with God, talking with Him. You can count it joy because He's saying, it's not going to happen. This is what we're doing right here. He just thinks He's going to win. He's just trying to get you to fall. Don't, don't, don't do that. Just walk with me. Knowing that the proving of your faith through the temptation will result in the Holy Spirit doing a work in our lives. Hmm. We could say it this way. If we allow Holy Spirit to bring forth the completeness that's within us, that's what we're doing. You see, we're already complete in Christ, but we don't know that. That's why you're being tempted. Because see, if you weren't, it wouldn't be a temptation if you knew you were already complete. It wouldn't be a temptation not to believe God's word pertaining healing if you were whole. It's when you don't have the total your, your body's hurting when your foot's hurting or something, you know. Your arm's hurting. That's when the temptation is, is did God really mean that we're whole? So we just, no. Sticking with the word. What did God say? I choose to believe what he said. It's not being a fool. It's being smart. And he goes on and he says, if we allow Holy Spirit to bring forth the completion that's within us. We're already complete. We're allowing him to bring it forth. If there's temptations there, it's because we lack something. We're lacking something. That's why it's, we're being tempted with it. But God's going to prove that we're not lacking anything. Are you hearing me? You see, the temptation says, you don't have it. God's saying, walk with me. I'm going to show you you do have it. You don't have to go there. You got it. If we walk by our sight, we walk by our education, we walk by the world system, we walk by what they have to say, what you're doing is saying, you don't have it. You walk by what God's word says, like Abraham did, like David, Elijah, a lot of other people. If you walk according to what the word says, then what you're saying is, I did have it. I do have it, and I, and I still got it. Because I'm at peace. If you had complete wisdom... In every situation, and especially the one that you're being tempted with, is what he was saying, you wouldn't have been tempted. But you lack something. When you lack wisdom, how many of you know you got options? You got options to fail. Now, if you have wisdom about the matter, there's no options. You just choose God. Choosing defeat's not an option, is it? I mean, if you're. If you're whole and you're healed, you don't choose sickness. If you got money in the bank, you don't choose being broke. If you're at peace, you don't choose unrest. But when you're confronted with situations and circumstances, guess what? The new man, the real who, who you are, he looks and says, well, the word says this. Why? Because I studied it, I read it, I heard it, so forth. 
And a man of wisdom is going to say, and I'm going to receive it. And I'm going to walk in it. And I'm going to keep it. But the old man says, well, maybe I don't really have it. My education says I don't have it. My emotions right now, it declares I hadn't got it. My peers, they say they don't have it either. And my bank account, it sure doesn't say I have it. But does that change the fact that you have it? No. It doesn't change it at all. It says, let patience have her perfect work. Perfect work, complete work. I like that. Let it have its complete work, going to bring us to the complete. It says, if any man lacks wisdom, this is where we're going. If you lack wisdom, let him ask of me. Let him ask it. Most cases, the problem is, is we lack wisdom. It's not that we lack knowledge. You have the knowledge. That's why you were saying the word says this, but you don't have wisdom how to apply what you know is true. Just give me a few more minutes. If you lack wisdom. It's through wisdom, not waiting, that your completeness comes forth. Wanting nothing. Why? Because you'll see that you already got it. You'll see it's already been provided. Waiting out something is not the same as having it. That's what you're just waiting something out means that you don't have it. Are you hearing me? Well, I'm just going to wait this pandemic out. So you're saying you're going to wait it out so you'll be whole? God says you already are. Well, I'm just going to wait out this economic crisis and then we can get back to having some money. So you're saying what? That you're, all your needs are not met in Christ? That he's holding back from you? That he don't want to, he's stingy. He don't want to give up, up anything from heaven when he said that all of heaven's resources is at your disposal. So he didn't really mean that. See, wisdom will tell you what God's word says and how to do it and what to do it. The weight is, is for all people. The waiting is everybody's got to wait. But those who, through patience, wait, receive the answer that addresses the temptation. If you'll wait on the Lord, if you'll seek him, he will give you the answers that addresses the temptation that you're dealing with. Just waiting out time does not take away the temptation. If you're being tempted with a candy bar, you can wait an hour and you probably still want that candy bar. You can wait two hours, you'll still want it. Well, if I can just leave work, I won't want it. You come back the next day, it's still laying there. Guess what? You want it now, too. You didn't eat it yesterday, but now you've been tempted again. Some of you are sitting there, just eat it and you won't be tempted anymore. That's what I do. Just eat it, forget the temptation. That's gone. Don't let another one get on your desk. Jesus said, pray that you enter not into temptation. Pray that you enter not into temptation. So what he's saying is, is if you don't pray, where are you going to end up? Temptation. But if you'll pray continually, if you'll walk in him continually, if you'll listen to him continually, 
You say, well, that, that won't, I won't have a life. So what you've been doing is life? Really? Carlene, when you were on drugs, was that life? world thought it was. There was a whole society of people, a whole culture thought you was living. And you weren't. You were dying. Same with my life. I was there. If you were one that was prone to drink all the time, was that living? Head hung over in the toilet, hiding from your wife, hiding from your, your spouse, hoping they don't find out, lie through your teeth, you hadn't been doing it. Is that, is that living? Sneaking around doing pornography, is that really living? Or walking with the Holy Ghost and Him telling you who you really are? Because see, in all of those temptations, you're saying you're lacking something and you're seeking to fulfill that void through those things. But when you're walking with the Holy Ghost and He's talking to you about the lack out there, He's saying, you don't lack anything. You're complete and you're whole. I don't ain't nothing wrong with you. I want you to have a head full of hair. I'll just keep you one. There's no lack. God doesn't lack. The world lacks. The devil lacks. God doesn't lack. So how can you lack when you're in him? I said last week that we pray from two positions. Either we're praying from a, pray, a place, a position of being in Christ, in faith. You're in Christ, you're in faith. How many of you know that? You're in Christ. If you're in Christ, is there a need that's not met? You don't have a need when you're in Christ. And when you're praying from a position of being in Christ, you are risen with Him as whole as Jesus is. You are seated in heavenly places. There's no lack in heaven, is it? So if you're seated in heaven, is there, how could you have lack? Have you ever thought about that? You don't have any. Because you're seated in a place of abundance. Of everything. Or you pray from a position of being tempted. Not sin, but being tempted that you don't really have what God said you had. You're not really seated in Christ. If you were seated in Christ, you wouldn't have to go through this. You'll be faced with this all your life, and the older you get, the more you'll be faced with it. So if we don't get a grip on this and understand that God wants us built up, He wants us strengthened, to fully understand that we, that he gave us the Holy Spirit. What? He gave it to us so that we would not walk in temptation. We can walk, we can say, Holy Spirit, why? I just heard this on the news. I just got let go at my job. I just heard that my sister got sick. Or this happened or that happened. Holy Spirit's there to comfort you, to guide you, to teach you, to reveal to you things that you don't know any other way. He is the revealing one, is he not? We have to spend time with him, communion with God, 
not just breaking of bread. I may mention last week about the fact that we're a covenant with God. And we have to deal on a constant basis this Mephibosheth attitude that God's trying to kill us. Just like Mephibosheth, if David ever finds me, he's going to kill me, get rid of me. David didn't want to do that. David looked at Mephibosheth and said, he is my son. Because whatever was Jonathan, the guy I entered into a covenant with, whatever is his, is mine. Whatever is mine is his. And we think God the Father is out to get us when the son and, and the father had a covenant. And when Jesus' blood was shed, it was shed with us in him. We were in him when the blood was shed. We were on his mind. He did it because of us. How many of you know that Jonathan entered in that covenant with David? Mephibosheth wasn't around, but he was in him. He was in Jonathan, but he wasn't around. And we've got to realize that when we pray, we pray from a position of being in Christ. What he did 2,000 years ago. Otherwise, it's about your works. It's about how good you are. It's about your behavior. You earned it. Well, you can't earn it. But you can receive it. Sonship. Mephibosheth sat at the table of the king. Can we not recognize the fact that we are seated at the table of the king? I just don't see the devil coming in there slapping the food off the table of the king. But I do see this. I see the devil trying to figure out how he can get you not to pray, not to commune with the Lord, because he knows that if you ever start spending time with the Holy Ghost, if he knows if you ever start bringing him these temptations that he's lying to you about you losing your job, about getting killed on your job, about going under, about your finances, about whatever it may be, he knows if he can ever get you <clears throat> to stop thinking on that and take, and if you took that to the Lord, to the Holy Ghost who lives within you, he knows that you're defeated. He's over. So you'll have to figure out another way to do it. Maybe if I get Bill mad at him, then that'll be a different distraction. I'm going to still go about this the same way. His methods have not changed at all. He does not want you to trust God. He's constantly saying, God didn't mean it. God lied. You don't really have what God said. That's all his plan has always been. And it's not going to change. And why should it? He's been very successful. So what we have to do is make a decision when we're being tempted to tell the truth. Lord, I'm being tempted because I've got knowledge, but I don't have wisdom to how to get through this thing. So can you please tell me how to do it? Because I don't know how. He'll stop the whole universe to spend time with you if he needed to. You know why? Because if it's important to you, it's important to him. If it's important to you, it's important to him. He'll stop it all. He's not upset. He's not concerned, well, what will somebody think if I have to share that and talk to Elaine again? I've already told her a hundred times. He'll just do it a hundred and one. And start and do it again tomorrow if that's what she wants. We think that he's going to get mad at us. For asking for wisdom. He says, 
Ask of me. I'll give it to you freely as much as you want. I will not withhold any of it. I won't be mad at you. I won't be upset with you for asking for it. Matter of fact, he's excited for you. Because you recognize that you're in him. You're recognizing what you're supposed to do and how you're supposed to do it. Instead of just having knowledge of what God says, now you're getting wisdom in how to apply what his word says against the enemy who's been tempting you that you don't have what he said you had. Amen? Every head bowed and eye closed, nobody looking around. I could go for hours. So if you don't want to hear any more about this, don't get around me up here on the playground. I'll be nice. You're here this morning and there's nobody here in this room hadn't been tempted. Maybe been tempted in the last 45 minutes. Probably have. Because that's what the devil does. Anytime the word's going forth, he's not really about you. I told you that earlier. It's about taking the word out of you that's been put in there this morning. He's going to tempt you and say, well, that ain't what the word says. Go look it up. Read the book. Spend time with the Holy Ghost. See if he don't tell you the same thing. He's going to tell you, that's what I said. Yeah, but I don't see that. It's because you're not seeing what I see. You see in the world. You see in the world's way. You see your education. You see all this other, but you're not seeing what God said. No temptation. Know it, that it's not sin. But it keeps you from living in faith. You see, faith is hot. Unbelief is cold. Doubt's lukewarm. It lives in the middle between vacillating from faith to unbelief. Unbelief to faith. Faith to unbelief. Doubt just dwells there in the middle going back and forth, vacillating. Recognize that's what's happening in your life. When you begin doubting, you have to make your decision. Am I going to believe what God said? Or am I going to believe that it's a lie and live my life in unbelief? Choose wisdom. Choose to believe. Spend some time in communion with Holy Spirit. When Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, he referred to what the Word said. He listened. God, what would you have me to say? He said, you tell that devil it's written. And know that when it's written, God wrote it, it's true. And so he told him, it is written. It is written. And that's what you need to do. It is written. And I don't care what it looks like. I don't care if those rocks do look like pieces of bread. I know they're still rocks, and I'm not going to be tempted to do anything by you, devil. Know that. You don't have to sin. You don't have to sin. Lord, I just ask you today to minister to everybody here this morning, those that are listening this morning on Facebook or listen to a podcast. Give them that time. Let them make the choice whether to spend the time with you to receive wisdom. To receive an understanding of what all this is about. 
this position in Christ? Lord, I know your desire is to prepare us for not only these days that we're living in, but the days to come. Lord, I thank you that we take that time that you give us to learn your voice. To learn how to ask for wisdom. How to walk in that wisdom. Thank you for strength. And Lord, I thank you this afternoon for a great time of fellowship. Fellowship with our children, fellowship with our brothers and sisters. So Lord, I just go ahead now and declare blessings upon the food. Thank you for this food, Lord, that you gave each one of us. We declare it blessed and sanctified to our bodies. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Have a great week.